let's go to the United States. Things are afoot, Ron Elving, in the Republican race for the nomination. Uh, lovely to have you back with us, and thanks for your time. Thank you, and Happy New Year to you. Uh, it's a strange New Year in America, a very strange year in terms of our politics, because unless there's a huge surprise out of the New Hampshire primary tomorrow night, uh, we'll essentially be down to one Republican candidate in January. And, of course, an incumbent president who usually gets renominated for a second term. So uh, we'll apparently know our two candidates uh, before we even get to the end of January. And the election is not until November. So let's talk about what has happened this week. Uh, Ron DeSantis dropping out within the last 24 hours. I think that has happened. Uh, Nikki Haley is the only contender remaining. And are you saying this next uh, event is, is pivotal for her future? Absolutely. And in different directions. And so pivot is a good word. On the one hand, if she were to do better than expected against Trump, perhaps hold him under 50 percent. And since all the other candidates who are still on the ballot have dropped out as as contenders, uh, all of them endorsing Trump, by the way, that uh, if, if she could hold him under 50 percent, that would be quite an achievement. Uh, but it's not expected. Uh, it does seem that everyone is now endorsing him who had held off to see what the primaries might bring. And uh, the party is uh, either eagerly or with resignation decided that this, for better or worse, is their fate. And they are going to roll with Donald Trump for a third presidential quadrennial election and uh, try to convince the country that in 2020 the election was somehow stolen. What's going on uh, to get to this point? Perhaps we could discuss who votes in these primaries, Ron. I think that's an excellent question because uh, this is largely a media fault or characteristic that we talk a lot about who won a particular state as though everyone in that state voted for them. Let's take a look at Iowa, for example, which just last week had a caucus. It's not a true primary. To participate in the caucus, you go out at night, at night, in the dark, and it was 25 degrees below zero Fahrenheit when you counted the wind chill in Iowa for that night. Now, that's what you would call a discouraging time to have people come out and participate in at least an hour to two hours of uh, this caucus system that they have. So there were 110,000 people who did that for the Republicans in their caucuses, just for that one party, 110,000, in a population of 3.2 million, which means that one person in 30, one person in Iowa in 30 took part in this. And yet, of course, the headlines all over America and all over the world were Donald Trump wins Iowa overwhelmingly. Well, he got half the vote from those 110,000. So now we're down into the 50,000s. And, you know, that means one person in 60 in Iowa actually voted for Donald Trump. But if you watch the media, the impression you get is that Iowa lifted him up on their collective shoulders and sent him on to the world. Uh, do you have to be a reg registered Republican to participate? You do, but all you need to do is sign up as one as you walk in the door of the caucus. If you are a citizen, you have to be 18 years of, old, of age. And the Republicans, as you probably know, are big on asking people to show ID and picture ID and so on. But if you meet the minimum qualifications for a voter, then you're in. 
All you have to do is say, I'm a Republican. And if you weren't a Republican 24 hours earlier, that's fine. That's, that's interesting so to me. The, the, way, the way you register uh, is interesting. I know not everybody does, but I think around 80% of, of voters are registered either Democrat or Republican. Correct me if I'm wrong. Can you be a Republican who goes in just to spoil? Is, is, sorry, a, a Democrat who goes in just to spoil, for example, or is it a reasonably robust system? It's 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 reasonably well, let's put it this way. You can do that. And people have done that in both directions between the parties. But it is not nearly the problem that you might think it is because the other party is having their own caucuses that night. And so generally speaking, people are more interested in being with their tribe and having something to say about what that party is going to do and who its nominee is going to be. But when there isn't much suspense, then obviously there is a temptation to you know, vote mischievously in, in this right. particular respect. But I should also say that uh, according to the latest polls, and this is not just overnight, that percentage of people who identify with the two major parties continues to drop. So we are down now to the point where 43% really? of the country identifies as independent Right. And only 27% is Democrats and 27% is Republicans. Okay, so that, that 80% figure was obviously going back quite a ways. Uh, let's talk about what will determine um, this final decision then. Uh, and, and, and what is it that tips a candidate out? Sometimes it is they run out of money, right? Uh, this doesn't seem to be what drove Ron DeSantis's decision. It seemed to be he simply didn't think he could get there. And, and so what will determine Nikki Haley's decision and when? I think it has a lot to do, and this is why I was talking about pivoting earlier. Obviously, she wants to do as well as possible, but she also wants to be not a pariah in the party. And so if she loses badly, I expect she will drop out, or at least she'll drop out after the South Carolina primary, which is coming up fairly shortly, early February. That's her home state. She might stay in for that, and she might not. She might just say, look, the polls say I'm going to lose even in my home state to Donald Trump. So I'm going to drop out now, and by doing so, make myself eligible and perhaps more attractive as a vice presidential running mate, which is a position entirely to be chosen by Donald Trump. The party will ratify whomever he chooses. And there's a great debate going on among his supporters as to who that should be. Some people think Haley would be perfect and she might do the most for him in terms of attracting votes from people who otherwise might not vote for him. On the other hand, many of his most staunch supporters despise Nikki Haley. And they really hate the idea that she would be president if Trump were in office and could not continue to serve. Let's talk about other things happening then. Obviously, this uh, presidential uh, race as the year progresses is going to dominate a lot of news there. Uh, what's the situation? There's been some fairly good economic numbers coming through. First, can you recap? And second, is that feeding it all into sentiment? It does appear to be just for the beginning of this process, of this trend, we are, we've seen two months in a row of improvement in consumer sentiment. Now, this is measured by the University of Michigan. They've been doing it for decades. And it's a very well-respected economic set of measurements that is essentially about consumer confidence. And it's measured in a number of ways, not just surveys. And consumers seem to be spending money again. Consumers seem to be getting past the fact that inflation stunned them after COVID stunned them. And so we suddenly see an, a, two months in a row strong growth in consumer confidence, the strongest we've seen since 1991. Now, that's a shock unless you stop and think about how long it took for people to notice that inflation had come way down. 
from 9% running about a year ago to uh, just over 3% now, which is quite a major change from 9 down to 3 in just one year. Of course, it's because the Federal Reserve Board raised rates. And also, we've seen continued strong employment. The, un- the, the unemployment number is at record lows. And the employment, the creation of new jobs, continues to be quite robust. So that's all good news that seems now to be getting through to the consumer. All right. And just finally, uh, the other matter, of course, with Mr. Trump is these ongoing um, legal uh, issues and, and wrangles. There's been all sorts of complications. I, I see in one case there was a, a mini scandal involving the, or a scandal involving the, alleged scandal involving the um, prosecutor. Again, just remind us how this is going to play out during the year. Is it possible some will drift past the election? Um, is there any reason they're going to directly impact on Mr. Trump's campaign uh, were he to secure this nomination, um, other than to perhaps give airtime? There's no chance, I don't think, that any of these trials will affect his March, and I would say March at the latest point where he is clearly the nominee. It might even happen sooner. The only one that could would be if everyone was surprised to see the Supreme Court, which is hearing arguments, in fact, this week, on the case of the the question of whether or not he is even eligible to run for president because he engaged, and that's a, it's a careful term of art because it comes from the Constitution, if he engaged in insurrection against the federal government after swearing an oath to serve as a federal officer, which, of course, presidents must. So did he break that oath on January 6th, 2021, when he essentially told that crowd to march up to the Capitol and interrupt the process of certifying Joe Biden's election. Uh, He seems to have done so. He seems to have incited that crowd. He certainly summoned them to Washington to be there. And if that's deemed ultimately to be insurrection, that would disqualify him from the ballot. So quite a few states have been trying to do it in advance. Just say, look, there doesn't need to be a court decision. He obviously engaged in insurrection. So they, several states have tried to kick him off the ballot. And uh, right now, the Supreme Court this week is going to hear arguments as to whether or not uh, that's constitutional to do it. Nobody really expects the court to keep him off the ballot, especially at this point. But it's conceivable. That's the first thing that could happen. Then it's probably going to take until summer or fall to have any of these criminal trials come to fruition. He'll lose a couple of civil cases and a lot of money. But the the, the fraud is not the essence here. The essence is the crimes. And if he gets convicted of the crimes, then there's a real question as to whether or not he can be president. But it does not appear we can count on all those trials to be finished before November. Going to be a big year. Thank you very much. Ron Elving is Senior Editor and Correspondent, Washington Desk for NPR News.